joy to be with you this morning. Um, some have called it a wife swap. <laughs> Cody is at East Aboga. And, uh, and I'm with you. So, and it's good to see some familiar faces. Uh, I've been uh, with your students two years in a row now. Uh, our students and, and your students uh, teamed up together for summer camp this year. And so it's good to see some of those guys and gals and, and uh, some of the best cooks around. So, uh, and there's some right over here. I see you guys and, and uh, just did a wonderful job. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, if you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, I, you know, God is um, obviously a sovereign God and, and God knows exactly what the hearers and the readers of God's Word needs to hear and to understand and to trust and believe in. Let me tell you what led us to, led myself to 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, first let's read it together, if you don't mind. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll read verses 3 through 7. If you're able to, uh, and if you can, if you'll stand with me as we just honor the reading, the living Word of God together, and may it jump off the pages into our hearts and minds and transform us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Why? According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if that is not enough to praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Praise be to God for that. You are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready. It's ready. We don't have to hope for it. It is ready to be revealed in the last times. You rejoice in this. I love that. We have to be reminded often as believers to, to rejoice in this, the joy of our salvation. Why? Though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, listen, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not pity, not pity, and not pity. Not running from the Lord, not running from the church, but praise, glory, and honor in the midst of our trials. Wow. Let's pray. Father, in the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. God, that as we open up this living word of God, Lord, that it would jump off the pages and into our hearts. God, not that it would just be a word that we hear or read, but God, we would believe it. God, we would trust in it. Lord, we would hold fast to it. Because God, it is good. It is right. And Lord, we need it. Lord, I don't know the various trials. Lord, I don't know the sufferings that we have faced today. But God, you do. And Lord, I just trust and believe, God, that through this passage of 1 Peter, 
Lord, that you're going to change hearts today. And God, you're going to remind us of some things that we may have forgotten. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. Lord, may we fix our minds on you. May we think on the things of God in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Let me tell you how I arrived at 1 Peter. God had impressed it on my heart uh, at our church at East Aboga to share our story. Uh, Amanda and I have a, uh, just a, a story that, that God wrote for us, and, and we felt like we had a, not a, a lot of new folks in our church over the past uh, six years that we've been pastoring there. And so God impressed it on my heart to just come up and just share our story with our church. And then he impressed it on my heart to get others to come and share their story that are totally different, but yet people who go through various trials, the testing and the genuineness of their faith, but that, that testing of the faith resulted in praise, glory, and honor. It doesn't always happen that way, but it can. And so God led me to this passage, and it has guided those times where these couples have sat up on our platform and told these stories of, uh, of unfaithfulness in their marriage. But yet that God received praise, glory, and honor now because of that. And we had couples who sat on our platform and told stories of miscarriage after miscarriage after mis seven miscarriages over a time of five years. But yet now have two beautiful daughters and they can stand today in the truth of Scripture and say, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How? How do we do that? How can you do that? First Peter tells us. One of the questions I would like to ask you is, what do you do when your faith is tested? When these quote-unquote various trials take place, what do you do? Do you panic? I've done all these, by the way. All these I'm going to name. I've, I've done all of these. Do you just panic? Oh, no. What now? This shocked me. This surprised me. What do I do now? Do you panic? Do you get mad? Do you just get mad at God? had the conversation just this weekend with a gentleman who was talking about his in-laws who at, young, at a younger age they lost one of their children and he said they just got mad, got mad at God. And still to this day, it's been probably 30 years, still to this day, they haven't gotten over it. What do you do when your faith is tested? Do you panic? Do you get mad at God, mad at the world? How can a loving God do this? Do you get mad? Do you just have a pity party? Just pout? We have three kids. We see it. You know what it's like. You just pout. And you're not going to stop me from just, I'm going to pout. I'm mad at God and I'm going to pout. You may not actually be doing this, but you look like it. <laughs> you look like it. 
and you have this just pouty face on your head and it's just, you're just pouting. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Well, I didn't deserve any of this. I'm just going to get mad and pout and it gets you nowhere. Do you turn to substances? I know a lot of people that have done that. Do you walk away from the church? You walk away from the Lord? You know, it's been said that most church people are one hard life moment away from walking away from it all. What kind of faith is that? In 1 Peter, we see a struggle between holiness and hardship. Many believers think that they can just be holy and set apart and not have to go through hardship. That's a lie. That, 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 that's not, that's not going to happen. See, many people think that once I become a Christian, uh, there's, a, there's an invitation song. It's a, uh, many churches use it. And um, I, we were using it one Sunday morning, and I just kind of read it, and I thought, well, that's not true. This is, oh my goodness, this is out of the hymnal, and it's not true. I said, all, come to Jesus. I don't remember, come to Jesus. All your darkness will disappear. I thought, well, that's not true. Wasn't true last week. There's a struggle between holiness and hardship. And most people, Christians, believe that I'm going to be over here and I'm going to be living in holiness and I'm, I'm just living in the joy of my salvation and I'm smiling and God is good and, and, and church is great and all of the, everything's going well, but then life is draining you. It's heavy over you. And then you're in this battle of holiness and hardship. Some of you may be there. It's, I'm trying to be holy. I'm trying to be set apart. But yet the world is just coming over. It's darkness. It's weighty. It's heavy over me. And it's exhausting. It's very tiring. But through the scriptures, we recognize the inedible truth that followers of Jesus will suffer in this life. Will suffer in this life. You can't escape it. You can't become exempt from suffering. You can't remove yourself from uh, your faith being tested. You can't exempt your life or your family's life from enduring and going through trials and various tribulations. You can't have enough faith to become exempt. You can't smile enough. You can't sing enough. You can't serve enough. You can't give enough. The TV preachers are wrong. Not everyone will become rich. You will go through various trials in your lifetime. Most, if not all, will suffer through various trials. You will lose loved ones when it's unexpected. You will lose loved ones at a young age. You will become demoted in your job. You will lose possessions. Things will happen. One author put it this way, Such brutal facts may be difficult to take initially. But as trials come, the understanding that such suffering can be the mark and measure of faithfulness helps these early Christians to see that affliction is one more means of Christ's likeness and indeed one more avenue of true joy. You ever thought about that? That the afflictions that we go through is another avenue for be me to be more like Jesus? 
Isn't that what you come to Jesus to do? I want to be Christ-like? It is one more avenue of true joy. That is ludicrous to a lost world. That I can have true joy in the midst of suffering. But it's possible. And 1 Peter tells us that. I read a book, uh, probably, this has probably been five or six years ago. It's one of the best missional books I've ever, ever read. It's called The Insanity of God. Many of you may have read that book. If you have not, you need to read The Insanity of God by a guy by the name of Nick Ripkin. It'll change your life uh, when thinking about missions. In that book, he tells a story of being in China. And they're in these underground churches and have to be secret about all of that. And they were in this young house church uh, leader, uh, this leader of a house church. He was a young guy. And he says, as they were walking away, listen to what he says. After we were out of earshot from that young house church leader, my host leaned toward me and whispered, he's going, to be, he's going to be someone God can use in a powerful way someday, but you cannot trust what he says now. He hasn't been to prison yet. This was an attitude that I would encounter often in China. Personal trust and respect for spiritual maturity were often in direct proportion to the amount of suffering that had been endured for the faith. If someone had not yet experienced personal persecution and suffering, trust was withheld until that happened. What was perhaps most remarkable about that was the underlying assumption that the suffering and persecution would inevitably happen. They wouldn't even trust the genuineness of your faith until you have been persecuted. Their suffering was directly tied to their faith in Jesus. I hope I can use these terms. Their suffering was tied to their faith in Jesus, not because they made stupid decisions. There is a major difference. Some people suffer because they made stupid decisions. That's not, be, that's not to say you're suffering because of your faith in the Lord. No, you just made dumb decisions. And you need to go write those decisions. Just because you're suffering doesn't mean you're living right for Jesus. Peter, in 1 Peter, is training the believers to see the value of suffering and the role that suffering plays in our lives. He said there's value in suffering. There is immense value in suffering. And Peter is teaching us to see the value in suffering and the role that suffering plays in our lives. The demands of hardships from the sovereign God are difficult, aren't they? The demands of hardship that you and I as believers face in this life, they're difficult. Not only that, they're exhausting, aren't they? They're exhausting. You know the terms, when it rains, it pours. Man, just one punch after another, one sucker punch and then another sucker punch. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. But those demands of hardships from the sovereign God are not meaningless. As John Piper would say, they are doing something. And the result ought to be, as Peter says, the result is praise, glory, and honor. Notice that before Peter discusses the grueling demands of hardship, he first reminds them of the sovereign power and assurance necessary for hardship. You see in verses 6 and 7, though for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, 
Some say amen to that. So that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes, though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Peter, before discussing, this, discussing the grueling demands of hardship, who in here, let's just say in the past six months, that's a long time, have endured grueling demands of hardship? By raise of hand. This is part, class participation. Yeah. All across the room. There's grueling demands of hardships. And before he discusses those grueling demands, Peter first reminds them of the sovereign power and assurance to endure those grueling demands. I think this is a great um, <clears throat> counseling passage, by the way. I, I discovered that uh, yesterday while thinking through kind of this passage. I thought, God, this is a really good counseling passage. Someone come into your office. They talk about all of these problems and hardships. And they're believers. Their faith uh, is in the Lord. And then we go to this passage and you read verses 3, 4, and 5. And then you go, so what's the problem now? And Peter is reminding us of the assurance necessary for holiness and hardships, which is the gospel. Let's look at that. In verse 3. See, this is what we need to be reminded of before we enter into those times of hardships. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Not only that, but you are being protected by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Rejoice in this! That's what I'm going to do next time someone comes in my office. I'm gonna, they're going to share with me all of their problems. I'm going to read them the gospel that God in his great mercy has saved me. He is keeping me. He's given me power. It's, it's, I've got an inheritance that will never go away. And then I'll say, rejoice in this. Now, what is your problem again? And they're going to look at me and go, I'm fine, preacher. I'm okay. Because I've got something far better than this, what this world offers. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice in this. Not in your circumstances. The power to obey the commands to be holy for I am holy is found in the gospel. The power to endure the demands of hardships is found in the gospel. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, 3, 4, and 5. How do we endure? How do we take on the grueling and the exhausting demands of hardship? By remembering the sovereign God that reached down when I was at my worst and pulled me out of the pit of despair and saved me from all uh, all of my sin and set me on solid ground. I have this quote. It, it'll be on the screen for you to read with me. It says this. 
This assurance of our enduring hope is important. Why is it important for us to remember the gospel? It's important for believers to remember so that we neither despair of God's commands to obedience, which as sinners we will struggle with, do you? Nor despair of God's allowing of suffering, which as frail people we may break under. It is false advertisement to say to someone, God will never give you more than you can handle. I tell our folks, God will put so much on you that your axles will break and you have nowhere to go but to look up to him. And the only way you're going to get out of that mess you're in is if you hold to the sweet hands of Jesus. It is important for believers to remember so that we don't despair of God's commands to obedience, which we struggle with, nor despair of God's allowing of suffering, which is frail people we may break under. Instead, we are empowered to obey, knowing, knowing 1 Peter chapter 1, knowing that we are forgiven for all eternity. And we are encouraged to hope in God through hardship, knowing that our souls are infinitely secure. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though hardships may come, though this body you can tell, those hardships have come, praise be to God that my soul is eternally kept in heaven for me. And I'll enjoy that one day. This life is a hard life. It's grueling, it's exhausting, it's hard, but praise be to God that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that though hardships may come, I will endure because this is not my home for my eternity is set and as a believer, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. That's encouraging. First Peter says, rejoice in this. What do we rejoice in? He gives this list of things for us to rejoice in. What do we rejoice? Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that according to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Rejoice in this. We rejoice in the fact that our salvation had nothing to do with us, but everything to do with him. If we think we had something to do with our salvation, then we are no different than any other religion. Go to Farmington, Utah, and you talk to people that have to work themselves up in the ladder of the church and religion i got to do this long enough and do that and help them and give more and serve more and do that. Also, they can climb this religious ladder. You look at the, the Hindu and, and, and Muslims and all these other religions. They have to do all of these things so they could gain uh, some kind of reward and earn that reward in their religion. But the beauty of the gospel... The beauty of our salvation is that it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with you. It's the beauty of Christianity and the gospel. We couldn't get to him, so he came to me. There's no greater religion out there. 
That when I couldn't climb the mountain to get to God, God came to me through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Rejoice in that, oh dear brother. Rejoice in that, oh dear sister. You said, Mike, you don't know me and you don't know what I'm dealing with in life. I don't, but God does. Rejoice in the fact that although you're dealing with life's hardships, rejoice that God reached down and he took care of the greatest need in your life and that was forgiveness. Not that you would get through this hard time, but the hardest trial in your life was the forgiveness of sin and God took care of that. So can I encourage you that though you are facing various trials, can we just together rejoice in the fact that Jesus saved me? He is holding me fast. Though I am frail, though I am weak, he is holding me. Me fast. And if that's not enough for you, he goes on and says, He has given us a new birth into this living hope. We rejoice that we were given a new birth. We were given this new creation. Now we have a new eternity. Did you know all people will live for eternity? And apart from Jesus Christ, your eternity is in a real place called hell. But because of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the gospel, you are given a new eternity. Before Jesus, your eternity was headed in a very wide gate. But because of Jesus, now you're given a new eternity. <laughs> it's a narrow gate. You know what that means? Not everybody's getting in. There's no universalism. That doesn't happen God loves everybody and everybody's going to heaven. No, 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 no. That's unbiblical. But we've given this new eternity, a new creation. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> I can't wait for the day when people don't have to deal with sickness and cancer and problems and losing their hair. And <laughs> Thank you for laughing at me. <laughs> My kids remind me of that. We rejoice in this. Not only that, but we rejoice in a living hope. We were given a living hope. A living hope, so one that is active now. We have a hope now. You see in the bottom of verse 5, you're being protected by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready. That's where our hope lies. It's been done we don't have to hope it happens. We don't have to hope that I can go there. We don't have to hope that I can have unspeakable joy. It is already happened. That's where our living hope comes from. He goes on and says, We rejoice over the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the pinnacle of the gospel. Without the resurrection, none of this matters. We rejoice over the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. We go on, it says, and into an inheritance. We rejoice over the inheritance we receive. What kind of inheritance is that? It's one that is imperishable, it's uncorrupted, and it's unfading. It's not like your house or my house or your car or mine. 
that fades, they, they, are, they get corrupted, and they're perishable. Especially when you, you, go by, you go buy a used truck and you've researched and researched and researched. You go almost two hours to go buy this stupid truck. The next day, the check engine light comes on. Praise be to God for that, right? I have to often do what my kids tell me to do. Dad, you might need to take your own advice. <laughs> we rejoice over the fact, listen, dear sir, listen, ma'am. In our deepest despair of hardships, we rejoice over the fact that I have an inheritance. When Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. <laughs> and that inheritance is imperishable it's uncorrupted it's unfading and we rejoice as first peter says that it is kept in heaven for you you know what that means nobody can take it away nobody can ruin it nobody can destroy it god is keeping that inheritance from you you can't lose it it's there waiting on us and then he says, you are being protected by God's power through faith. Hey, if nothing else, can we just rejoice in the fact that God's power is protecting you and I? I know you're facing things. Listen, I'm sorry. And your pastors are sorry. Listen, sometimes we just don't know what to say. We really don't. You have great pastors here. Man, they are knowledgeable, smart, and I, I, every time I'm around them, I grow in my walk with the Lord and knowledge, and they have so much wisdom, and we talk often. But there are some times we just don't know what to say. Other than reminding each other of the great promises of Scripture, that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And my name's written in the greatest book on earth, in heaven and earth, and that I have an inheritance in heaven one day, and I'm going to receive that inheritance. And it's going to be a good one. And I'm excited about that. And listen, I know you're going through life, and life's happening for you, but can we all together just rejoice today that God loves you? That God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven. So that you could look in the face of hardship and say, though you won't get me down. We rejoice over God's power through the faith he's given us is protecting us from the evil one. Though we do face obstacles and trials, we cannot be defeated. The gospel cannot be defeated. The gospel cannot be defeated. It's why we trust in it. It's why we hold fast to it. It's why we hold to the truths of Scripture. It's why we hold to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3, 4, 5, and the first of 6 that says, You rejoice in this. Though we are tried by various trials, we win. The only, listen to me, I know this is difficult. The only response we can have in good times is praise, glory, and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The only response we can have in bad times, in terrible times, in stressful times, in difficult times is praise, glory, and honor for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other response for believers for what do we have to complain about? What do we have to complain about? <laughs> You've got the everlasting God on your side. Your name's written in that book. Your sins are forgiven. You have an inheritance that is kept for you in heaven. What do we have to complain about? I wrote in my notes, a complaining Christian is an oxymoron, more moron than oxy. <laughs> is that okay? Is that okay for me to say that? Okay. <laughs> I just believe that. I, I mean, what do we have to complain about? Paul says in Philippians that we should not complain. That's not our identity. He says in Philippians 2.18, don't grumble and mumble and complain. But Paul says in Philippians 2.18 to rejoice with me. Over what? Who else has more to complain about than Paul? Man, that dude, he went through some tough times and just serving the Lord. Not because he made stupid decisions, because of his faith in Jesus. He suffered. But how can Paul say, rejoice with me? You know why? Because he knew he would suffer. On the road to Damascus, Jesus says he will suffer many things for me. But you know, I think, I just believe Paul remembered of this living hope that we have in Jesus. In suffering, I learned this, in suffering, one of the first things that we attempt to do is pray that God would change our circumstances. And if you want to pray that, that's okay. I, I think that, you know, God knows our heart, and obviously we would not want to be going through that circumstance. But can I ask you to do something next time, and maybe even today, don't pray that God would change your circumstances, but pray that the gospel would become your unshakable joy in your circumstances. So don't say, God, would you just change all of this? No, it's testing your faith. It's doing something. Don't pray for God to change it all. Pray that the gospel would be an unshakable joy in the midst of your despair. Say, God, though the punches are coming and the weightiness is heavy, I still will rejoice. Nobody can take that away from you. Is your, is your salvation, your strength in suffering? I believe it's what it means when God says, I am strong when you are weak. In 2 Corinthians, as we begin to close, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more, what? Gladly. I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The dying flesh side of me is weak, but the living spiritual side is strong because of the gospel. And I will rejoice in this. For praise, glory, and honor to the Lord. Isn't he good? Isn't he, is, if he's worth praise, glory, and honor in the great times, isn't he worth praise, glory, and honor in the hardships? Surely he is. If he's not, he's not worthy of our worship. 
Paul says, I'm content with weakness. I will boast all the more gladly, even in my weaknesses, my hardships, insults, persecutions, and calamities. Listen, I don't, I don't always get this right. <laughs> don't look at me like what, what you said. I'm like, oh, don't do that. Like, don't follow me. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't always get this right. I know you're praying for someone. I know you're thinking of someone. Maybe you're thinking of yourself. Maybe you need to cast all your cares on him. I really believe this with all my heart. The gospel fixes it. I believe that. I believe salvation through Jesus Christ fixes all of it. It may not make your darkness go away. It may not change your circumstances, but it causes you to have an unshakable joy in the midst of it. It causes this ludicrous thing that while I'm going through hardship, when I'm dealing with a diagnosis that is terminal, or I'm dealing with the all of a sudden loss of a dear loved one, or I'm dealing with a demotion in my job, or losing a job, or losing a home, or my finances are in shatters, my marriage is struggling, and I believe that in the midst of all of that, you can have an unshakable joy. And the only way that happens is to remember who God is, what God has done for you, and then you and I can all together stand and proclaim to a lost and dying world, yeah, but I will rejoice. I will rejoice. It, the gospel, gives assurance for holiness and hardships. Nothing else can do that. I hope and pray that you would rest in it. Rest in the finished work of Jesus. Jesus said before he went to the cross, the joy set before him. Isn't that crazy? I think we were that joy. The joy set before him of the probably most grueling death we could ever witness. Jesus himself, the joy set before him. Can you pray with me?